Hey, I'm Ben Silverio. And I'm Aaron Klein. And I'm Ansel Birch, your host in post. And, and it's, it's time, time to party. We are not doctors and we don't give medical advice. Please drink responsibly. Pew, 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 pew. pew. <laughs> Confetti hands. <laughs> These you know, the technical are not term spirit for... fingers. These, these are spirit fingers. spirit fingers. And these are gold. <laughs> Listen. I love a spirit good. Spirit fingers, <laughs> fossy fingers, whatever. <laughs> I love a good bring it on reference. What can I say? Dude, I love bring it on. So bring good. it on holds up in many ways. There are some shitty transphobic jokes, and those are the things that do not hold up at all. Yes. But most of the movie does hold up in a, in a way I was really surprised by. Every time I watch it, I'm like, oh, this is actually way better than I thought. Oh, also, Elijah man. Dishku rules. Yes, she does. Uh, speaking of things that don't hold up the way you thought, um, when was the last time you watched 10 Things I Hate About You? Ooh, it's been a minute. Yeah. It has it has been a minute. I will admit that. I remember loving that movie. Yes. But <laughs> I have a feeling it doesn't hold up super great. So the thing that made me realize that it doesn't hold up super great is this amazing podcast called uh, This Ends at Prom. Uh, BJ Colangelo. Fun. Yeah. Uh, BJ Colangelo and uh, her wife, Harmony Colangelo, uh, decided to take a a very deep dive into teen girl movies uh, is what they were Love calling it. them. Uh, yep. So like they're doing, they did bring it on. They did. Uh, oh, they did so many clueless was their first episode. Um, but, but the, the hook of the podcast is that uh, Harm- harmony grew up as a teenage boy. So she missed out, missed mm. out on a lot of these movies so they're going back and re-examining some old favorites, some classics and everything. Cool. That's a great concept. So to hear Harmony's take on 10 Things I Hate About You and why it doesn't hold up as well as many of us may think is very interesting. Everyone cool. should listen to that, to that episode. Yeah, that sounds really cool. That's <laughs> a great recommendation. Thank you. <laughs> we, we are in no way sponsored by the podcast The Sense of Prom. <laughs> no. We have not talked no, to them. No. I'm fairly certain they have no idea who I am. So <laughs> <laughs> we love a media recommendation. Yes. As this is a podcast about media recommendations. It's very true. <laughs> this is very true. This is also the third episode in our installment of Palm Springs. We've been talking about this movie. We've done the smoking and drinking game in our first episode. The second episode, we reviewed the movie and how much we fucking loved it. Yeah. <laughs> Truly and sincerely, really loved this movie and. Again, if you're joining us for the edutainment section and that's the only thing you've listened to, welcome, my people. Nice to see you. But really, you should watch this movie. It's really fucking good. So 100%. I definitely recommend it. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. Again, I said this before. I could talk about this for like hours, how good this movie it's, was. Absolutely. But you know, one thing that we forgot to touch on in our first episode, uh, Aaron, how have you been spending your time? Oh, you know, not a not. <laughs> <laughs> I was probably awake. Yeah, I'm, uh, it's, we're recording this during quarantine, and I uh, do nothing. My, it's fine. My husband and I were talking uh, a couple of days ago about, like, well, this, I guess we're doing this thing that we've done for the last 67 days in a row, because there's just, like, nothing else to do. Uh, yeah, I work still. I'm, I work my job, which is uh, exhausting, and in a really busy time of the year, uh, which is never fun. But also, like, 
I don't know. It's Thanksgiving while we're recording this right now. Uh, a little behind the scenes peek of when the sausage gets made. Uh, but I already have my Christmas tree up. I I just was like, fuck it. I put my Christmas tree up weeks ago. I, it's weird. I've never had a Christmas tree as an adult. I've only had like little Charlie Brown trees. <laughs> but I have I have a huge box of ornaments. I've had it forever. They My grandma gave them to me when I was a kid. And I we have them from... Uh, my husband's side of the family now as well and so now we actually have like a normal tree and so we put all of our lights on and we like plug it in every day and i i've been surprised how much it lifts my mood (laughs) like i did i i know i'm not like a huge christmas person because christmas is very commercialized in many ways and i used to be catholic and there's a lot of baggage that comes with that Mm -hmm. but like i I just love having a Christmas tree. I think it's nice. We probably will put like a gift under it, maybe that we even bothered to wrap, but like just having it up makes me like, it's nice just to break up the humdrum doldrum of quarantine in yeah. ways. So that's, I'm, I'm just kind of like enjoying my Christmas tree and reading a bunch of books. That's, really it yeah what have you been doing um well aside from listening to this ends of prom uh which is a phenomenal podcast uh i've been packing up my apartment getting ready to move uh to a different apartment with uh, our friend warwick uh yes very excited about that but even though i should be packing shit up i still put up christmas decorations i don't know if you can see behind me but there's a there's a stocking (laughs) (laughs) there's a yeah, there's a Nightmare that. Before Christmas stocking hanging on my door. I, uh, I also have my Christmas tree, aka my uh, Groot Funko Pop. Uh, <laughs> it's he's been my Christmas tree since I moved into this apartment. He's very adorable. Serious question: Do you need a tabletop Christmas tree? I have one. I'm no longer using. Ooh. If you want it, you guys can have it. Well, so. it depends on if Ditto. it depends on if we move <laughs> yeah. in before uh, Christmas. I guess we're yeah. we're working out details. <laughs> Yeah, you have options available to you now. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. Time to party Christmas tree. <laughs> uh, it's funny. We've been um, texting back and forth about things that we need for the apartment, things that we've been getting. And both of us just picked up some art to put in our kitchen because we're continuing the theme from my kitchen at this apartment. I have the Lucha kitchen, which is filled with wrestling memorabilia. Yes. But the new addition to the new house is going to be the Luau bathroom. Oh my God. What a perfect choice for both of you. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like it's so on brand for both of you. I love that so much. Yeah. Lots of pineapples. I have a friend. I have a really good friend who she's a big Disney World person. And her favorite part of Disney World is the Enchanted Tiki Room. Oh my God. And so she modeled her bathroom after it. And so she has like a tiki style bathroom. That's incredible. Every time I visit her, I I love it. It's just so calming. In in a way, you wouldn't expect loud colors and birds to be. (laughs) But there's something that's just like, oh, this is so nice. Especially in like winter in Illinois. It's just like, oh, Oh, what a nice little burst of sunshine in the bathroom. The first. A place you have to spend a lot of time. You're just required to. The first thing that I bought for the bathroom was a wall clock of Stitch in a pineapple. So. (laughs) Oh my god, I love that. It's adorable. (laughs) I can't wait to put it up. I just had a really good idea for a housewarming gift. Ooh. (laughs) Like, well, no. (laughs) It's funny because we were also talking about the laundry room, which, like, leads out to the the back door. Um, But it's in its own little, like room basically so we were mm-hmm. gonna what? set it up to be like a, a friend drive-through so if friends want to come visit us they can you know Cute. still stay at a distance 
Smart. That's a really good idea. Yeah. That's pandemic planning is what that I is. I know, right? Oh, my God. I love the neighborhood that we're moving to. It. We're down the street from my favorite movie theater in Chicago, uh, the Music Box Theater. Um, the best. They are oh. so good. Yeah. But with everything, you know, closing down early or not open at the moment, you know, I don't know how hopping our neighborhood's going to be. <laughs> Yeah, but that's the nice thing. You get to know the people who run those shops on a more personal basis because you actually live there. And so then when they become busier, you're already a regular. That's true. Uh, I've been looking for that cheers feeling. <laughs> I haven't uh, I haven't had that in Chicago since the Squared Circle closed. Oh, man, I miss the Squared Circle. That place, oh that place was great. Their adult milkshakes. That's a real shame. Oh, <sighs> my God. Best adult milkshakes I've ever had, to uh, be honest. Yes. They were really good. Yeah. <sighs> I was just talking about that with somebody, yeah. Uh, and their pizza puffs, oh my god. Or Real shame. They called them uh, pizza wontons, I think. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. They were delicious. <sighs> oh, R.I.P. Squared Circle. I know. Fun memories. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, uh, we can talk about some other fun memories uh, of yeah. Palm Springs. <laughs> Yay! Yeah. yeah, let's get into our lazy river of edutainment. Let's load into our rafts, get into our lazy river. As Ben <laughs> tells us about, I'm gonna guess dinosaurs. So, uh, in similar to the drinking game, it was very hard to get an edutainment uh, topic from Palm Springs. I agree. Because yes, I totally agree. Yeah, I was having too much fun enjoying it. Even the second time around, when I was trying to be more critical, I was still getting sucked into the enjoyment and, you know, the mm -hmm. the wild times of Niles and Sarah. But one thing that stood out to me were the dinosaurs that they saw in the desert. And it made me think of this roadside attraction in California of dinosaurs. And I was just like, is that near Palm Springs? And the answer is yes. So, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. I know about that. The dry, the dinosaurs on the side of the road. I've like seen photos of it before. I right. didn't realize it was close to Palm Springs. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Right, that's why I did a shallow dive into the Cabazon dinosaurs. Um, okay, so cool. Yeah, they've popped up in a number of uh, of things over the years, but probably best known for their appearance in Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Looking into the history of these dinosaurs, which are just on the side of the road in Cabazon, which, uh, which is about 15-ish miles from Palm Springs. Thinking about that scene in the desert, it's very probable that they just saw the dinosaur from yeah. you know beyond the mountain down the road on... that makes so much sense yeah wow that's a really huh. like geographic specific reference that even though we didn't have that context still worked on like oh dinosaurs cool but like that that's a really nice information nugget to know yeah. that's that's almost certainly why that was written in for sure the first one that was made was the brontosaurus which is 150 feet long and the second one that was made i don't think showed up in the movie but there's the tyrannosaurus rex that is 65 feet tall both can be found along the side of southern california's i-10 they were created by sculptor and theme park artist claude bell he uh, began the construction of the Brontosaurus, who is affectionately known as Dinny. Dinny was created in 1964 
with the goal of attracting more customers to Bell's restaurant, The Wheel Inn, uh, which was open from 1958 to 2013 before it got demolished. Dinny was completed in 1975. It took Bell... Of course it was. Of course it was in the fucking 70s. Yeah. <laughs> Why does that not surprise me at all? <laughs> it, it took him so long to put that dinosaur together, you know, over the span of 11 years, because he was trying to collect all the... Uh, the metal to fully build it. Yeah, but that's not cheap or like super easy to source. Right. It was originally uh, supposed to have glowing eyes and it was supposed to be able to spit fire uh, so that it would scare the dickens out of the people driving up over the pass. Why? Why would, if you want to attract people to your restaurant, why would you do that? I know. Uh, it makes no sense. Not at all. But neither. It's like the... the the murder horse at the Denver airport with the glowing red eyes. You know what I'm talking about? I don't. Oh my God, you both looked at me like I was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a total tangent, but there is a sculpture outside the Denver airport that when you drive up, it's this giant blue, silvery looking horse with glowing red eyes that's reared up with its uh, two front hooves up in the air. <laughs> and it's, I think they call it the murder sculpture because the guy who sculpted it was killed by it when it fell on top of him while they were putting it up. And they still put it up anyway, and it's still there. And, like, every time I go to Denver, I pass by it, and I'm like, this is the most horrifying horse I've ever seen in my fucking life. Like, you should seriously look it up. It, you, you think I'm kidding. Wow. <laughs> it's horrifying. It has glowing red eyes. It is terrifying. I have no idea why it still exists. That's... It's nuts. That's insane. <laughs> that... So I know for a fact that a dinosaur with glowing eyes would also probably be fucking horrifying to see over the mountain <laughs> as you're coming up. Like, yeah. turn around, turn the car around. <laughs> yeah, wow. luckily those two features were not added. <laughs> Good. Someone had sense. Right. Uh, the, the second dinosaur, uh, which was affectionately known as Mr. Rex was completed in 1981. Cute. A giant slide was installed in Mr. Rex's tail. However, what? it was filled with concrete uh, later. Um, I don't know why. It doesn't say why. But I'm going to guess something awful happened. <laughs> probably. I mean... Almost certainly. Almost certainly. And Bell had originally planned on a third sculpture, which would have been a woolly mammoth... Uh, but he died in 1988 and never got to complete it. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah. That would have been cool. That one I could see having glowing red eyes, and that would seem <laughs> fine. Like, woolly mammoths are weird. <laughs> uh, I just feel like a, a giant horse with glowing red eyes is an especially bad idea in a place where people, for a while, were going to smoke pot as dirt. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> On one hand, I feel like it was like a warning when you were going to the airport like throw your shit away <laughs> but yeah it's a uh yes i every time i pass it i'm like why does this fucking exist especially knowing that the person who made it was literally crushed to death by it like it's just yeah. a monument to bad decision making i guess Ooh, that's that's a lot <laughs> Look, we I know. Mini edutainment. <laughs> right? Here's an edutainment inside of an edutainment. <laughs> so just to clarify, th that means that very possibly the dinosaurs that they were seeing were actually there and not an indication of a, a widening right. time rift. Possibly. 
Got it. Uh, but if or I'm... those dinosaurs weren't sculptures and were actually real inside of the timeline that they like oopsie daisied themselves out of, I right. can also see that being true. Yeah, this movie is so open ended in a number of ways uh, that there are so many layers to discuss about it. You know, that's mm-hmm. that's part of the excellent writing uh, of the script. Yeah, um, totally. But uh, a personal note about the Cabazon dinosaurs. I've gone to the outlets in Cabazon a million fucking times. And I must have been asleep every time we passed these fucking dinosaurs because I've never seen them in person. <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> it's so, I can't believe I've never seen them in person. Like I think that's hilarious. <laughs> and like apparently Dinny is a building also. Like there's a souvenir shop in the belly. Like <laughs> that makes sense, I guess. Yeah. I, I mean, there's not a restaurant there. That's the only reason people go there now. So it makes sense you would create like a gift shop that you could sell additional merchandise. Yeah. Uh, on uh, on Roadside America, they say that uh, it is arguably the largest dinosaur in America. <laughs> and I'm like, how many dinosaurs are still in America? There's a couple. A yeah, bunch. you'd be surprised. There's a lot. I know that uh, Disney designed some of the animatronic dinosaurs for one of the World's Fair. I want to say the one that came in the 60s, but they it was like commissioned by another company. I don't think it was Sinclair Oil. It might have been Ford, actually. <laughs> I know that he did a bunch of exhibits for that World's Fair, but he made a bunch of animatronic dinosaurs, and I watched a documentary uh, through Defunct Land recently about him, and I was shocked. Like, I can't believe that Disney didn't reclaim these dinosaurs to use anywhere, and they did. They, like, put them at some kind of roadside stand and just, like, abandoned it, basically, which is, first of all, bizarre to think that Disney abandoned literally anything that could have made the money in any way, and also, like was really cool and they just kind of like let it go to ruin in many ways those bizarre those dinosaurs didn't go into the dinosaur ride at uh uh, different dinosaurs dinosaurs. Mm -hmm. okay yeah because they were like huge huge brontosaurus animatronics Uh that were like in a parking lot i think that they like turned into like a greater exhibit i just watched this doc about it i don't remember super (laughs) everything about it but i was like oh Big-ass dinosaurs. <laughs> I love Defunct Land. There is one last thing I wanted to mention about the Cabazon dinosaurs. Um, when Belle died, um, the people who took over the the land and the, um, the whole thing, like the dinosaurs, the, the, the restaurant, and then with plans of expansion, uh, they used the dinosaurs as a platform for creationist views i knew that actually (laughs) that sucks (laughs) yeah um yeah inside the gift shop is like a museum of some sorts like showing off creationist uh viewpoints and messages which interestingly do not jive with the frescoes that um, were painted inside of Dinny, uh, which uh, include representations of the Cro-Magnon man um, and, like, you know, other prehistoric elements. Um, but but I guess there was a pastor involved with, uh, with purchasing the dinosaurs and expanding the area. 
uh, creationist gonna creationist like that. <laughs> yeah. So it's like the Noah's Ark theme park where they also have dinosaurs there. Like Brock, get over it. I know, right? <laughs> that's, that's, not, that's, that's not how any of this works. <laughs> oh, people are wild. So wild. Man. But well, I, that's cool. Those are so interesting. Yeah. I, that was a really I, good edutainment choice. Thank you. I really want to visit uh, these dinosaurs whenever I can travel again. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Ma. I'm just picturing the sad Charlie Brown music in my head now. Da, da, da. Da, da, da. <laughs> Someday we'll have museums and travel again. Oh my god. Last week I was just watching videos of Disneyland like from like last year and in the past just like not even like like ride videos or anything or like parades or shows just like people walking around the park. Like POV videos. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, "Oh, I remember that." Yep. Yep. So Aaron, what have what have you got for edutainment this this episode? Okay. So like you said at the beginning of your segment, I also found while I was watching this, I I was like trying to take notes on like, oh, what would be a good technology to pull from this? And I like couldn't really find a lot either. And so the one that I settled on, not dinosaurs, was <laughs> swimming pools. So we're gonna take a wow. LOL shallow dive into swimming wow. pools. Oh <laughs> yes. <laughs> They spend so much time in swimming pools in this, and especially like it's a most of the time they're private pools. It's it's either in this like resort that they're staying in or this family whose pool they've hijacked. <laughs> uh, also, I loved that the day that the family came back was November tenth because, fun fact, that's my wedding anniversary, oh. and so it was like this nice little piece where I was like, oh, apparently they come home November tenth. <laughs> Perhaps they were going to my wedding. <laughs> <laughs> stuck in a time loop there so i wanted to know a little more about swimming pools and so i wanted to know when they first started to appear shockingly duh they're old as hell because they existed in ancient greece and rome and so swimming pools have been around since the first century bc this feels like a very human thing people love fucking swimming pools mm -hmm. so like you want to be able to harness water and put it in a place that it's not supposed to be and that just seems like a very human aspect to be drawn into these places too and so to see these characters over and over go back to these swimming pools also feels like i i understand that comfort food of wanting to be in water and feel relaxed in a way that is unnatural but has been created for us as humans so i found that really interesting that they've been around forever the first heated swimming pool was also built in the first century bc it was like immediately they were like this is cold i don't like it time to heat this shit up but so i it, they heated swimming pools have been around forever so i love the idea too that like humans we need to impact our environment. And even when we're like, let's put water where it doesn't belong, we're like, uh, well, it's not quite up to my temperature standards, and so we really need to fool around with this till we get it right. Like, I just love that idea. Pools became popular for recreational use in the 19th century. Originally, they were mostly for in Greece and in Rome. Sorry, my cord is cut. In Greece and in Rome, they were used more for educational purposes. It was like a huge part of young men's bringing up is that they were trained how to swim. Part of that is because a lot of them wound up in naval battles and serving in the army because you didn't have a choice. And so learning how to swim was a really important part of being part of the like fighting force of a nation. So in the 19th century, they became popular 
England leading the way again. I don't normally think of England as like a cultural revolutionary leader, but apparently they were, which makes sense because they like took over the whole world or whatever. Like that's a <laughs> like when you think about it and put it two to two together, pretty easy to understand how England comes at the front forefront of these because they just steal everything from everybody. So in Oxford and Kent, they had the first public pools in 1836 and 1844, I believe. So they started to become part of a recreational part of life quite a while ago. It wasn't just like, oh, these were things that we kind of gradually over many thousands of years brought in. Like they were just for education for a long time until like the last 150 years, which to us relative feels very long. But over the course of human history, it's interesting that it didn't really become recreational like that until what feels called time-wise very uh, relatively soon to where we are now. I wanted to know who has the most pools. Well, venture a guess. Want to guess which country has the most pools per capita? Mm, I'm going to guess Italy. Italy. Interesting choice. I don't know why. I can't I, I can't tell you why. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> Morocco's a pretty good guess too. The answer is actually Australia. Australia has more mm. pools per capita than any other country, which like yeah, totally makes sense. Like and also they have more ocean pools than any other country which makes sense too that they would then have more pools because they a lot of people build directly into the beach with their houses and so that's what an ocean pool is is it like kind of appears to merge with the ocean mm -hmm. and so it makes sense that people who live mostly on the coast in australia would like just pack a jam full of pools and also because the ocean's fucking dangerous in australia so it makes sense that people would be like i would rather be in a controlled swimming environment as opposed to the hell that is the ocean around australia if i'm not gonna be stung to death immediately the second i get into this swimming body i would prefer that so i also understand why australians are like we want to pretend we're in the ocean but actually the fuck that <laughs> we're not doing that shit a shark no thank you Home swimming pools, as opposed to, like, public recreational pools that became popular in the 1800s and early 1900s, home swimming pools started to become popular in World War II because of the popularity of home swimming pools and swimming sports that were covered in movies. People started to view them as, like, a Hollywood symbol of, uh, I wrote down, desirable status. Like, people saw them in movies and were like, this is, I need this. This is how I can prove that I'm a rich person, is I'll have this personal swimming pool that I can use. So that started happening in World War II. And then one of the things that I have always found very interesting about swimming pool history is that it intersects, I'm sure lots of people know this, but for people who don't, intersects with skateboarding history in the yeah. 1970s in California that because of the drought that was happening at the time and LOL, a foreshadowing of the kind of drought we were going to have for the rest of our lives, basically, LOL, climate change. <laughs> uh, not, not one to LOL climate change very often, <laughs> just want to make a note that that's not a, that is a climate change, not a joke. That joke about climate change, maybe, uh, LOL. <laughs> but so in the 1970s, when the swimming pools had to be drained or couldn't be filled and properly maintained, they just left them empty in California. And because it's nice all the time in a lot of parts of California, youth culture started to take over empty swimming pools and started using them to practice skateboarding. And that's how that culture really started to spread. Another Heath Ledger movie, I can't remember what it's called, but is about that uh, journey in the 70s of young kids starting to push forward skateboard culture. I just find it really fascinating that this, like, it used to be a status symbol of wealth 
and then became the status of the drought and that it started to be taken over by like bummy teenagers basically that a swimming pool became like a manifestation of all of your neighbor's kids came and like played in your shit all the time i just find that like shift culturally very interesting and then to go back to now like having a swimming pool that's like a built-in is still a really big status symbol it's very expensive it's really hard to maintain you have to like be very diligent when you have a pool that's built in that it's cared for properly or you have an above ground swimming pool which you then have to maintain by like taking down in the winter for example if you live places like we do where it gets super cold so that i thought was very interesting and then i also just took less notes this time because i didn't want to be the one who had like a million (laughs) facts about the entertainment so a little more of a lazy river on my part but one of the things that i really wanted to address that i think a lot of people look over with swimming pools is that a An important part of our American culture and swimming pools is that black people were not allowed to swim in public pools for a long time. And that that's what gave rise to this stereotype that black people don't swim. It's because we forced that for a long time. I think it's an important thing for people to reckon with that that was a huge part of integration was allowing black people to become part of the public pool scene and participate in that recreational activity and that there were a lot of attacks on black people when they started to use swimming pools and so even though it was legal for them to integrate into a swimming pool it was often met with violence people threw acid at people black people specifically who swam in public pools to try to discourage them from doing that so i think that when we talk about um, the american culture of swimming pools it's an important thing to note that not everyone has had the same experience over this course of public recreational swimming and that we should be aware of that going forward too that public pools are still really important in america and they provide access to people who would not normally have that and so i think it's important that we support those kind of community centers too and keep our public pools public pooling so that's my shallow dive on swimming pools for our edutainment lazy river uh the heath ledger movie that you were thinking of was lords of dogtown which oh, i knew there was a dog in it yeah. i was like i'm gonna say something that's wrong which i love that movie because i got super really good. into the z boys when i was into skateboarding i remember there was a documentary about them before lords of dogtown so learn- i've also seen that it's really good yeah learning about jay adams and stacy peralta and tony alva and like the whole team was like super cool uh, they also had women on their team which wasn't mm-hmm. you know prominent back then either right. you know yeah exactly it's yeah, it was a it's an interesting cultural touch point because I feel like it even though it's represented by this drought that we as humans definitely fucking caused that took over California for these specific years, like it really showcases human uh, innovation and that young people when given time and opportunity, even when it's not something that like adults, quote unquote, or like the establishment thinks is worthwhile, like they changed a cultural they did they created a cultural revolution with skateboarding because they were given the time and space to to do that i think that's cool i think that it's nice to remember that even inside of really shitty bullshit and things that feel like there's only bad things that could come from this like sometimes really unexpected amazing stuff comes from humans who are pressed into those circumstances yeah let's hope uh we get some amazing innovation coming out of 2020 
and this I mean, shit if, plague. If nothing else, video conference technology has got to get better. Yeah. <laughs> like that's if nothing else, that is one thing I feel very confident that on the other side of this we'll have better infrastructure for that kind of stuff, which is good. And hopefully we will drive people to the infrastructure to that uh, you know, Wi Fi is a human right we should give to everybody. Yeah. Comcast. We as a fucking continent need to switch away from these telephone wires like everything should have been underground it's ridiculous that we tried to do this as a country for this long like i look into my backyard and i'm like this is a fire hazard at any moment this shit could fall down it it just makes more sense to connect people through the fiber network and run that shit underground like someday (laughs) someday we as a country will hopefully come around on it we'll see if the uh (laughs) dinosaurs in charge of all those things will uh come around on it (laughs) Ha-ha. You know, just uh, tying things in. <laughs> uh, it's time to, we have to go. The, the pun means it's time to go. <laughs> That's the end of this episode. You can find us on the internet if you'd like to join in on that conversation, hopefully with less puns. <laughs> Whatever, you can bring us puns, I don't care. You can use the hashtag, hashtag time to party. That's time, the number two party. And you can find us on the internet as well on inter- on on internet on the internet <laughs> you can find us on internet <laughs> you can find us on the internet uh on twitter and instagram i'm at bsilverio20 and i'm at nyd urgency on instagram i'm at indecisionist on twitter and at the indecisionist on instagram a huge thanks to marlon longit of marlon the shakes for our theme song and april moralba for the podcast art yeah so uh until yeah. next time with uh, more time travel shenanigans. Be excellent to each other. Let's party on, dudes. Air guitar. <laughs> Finger guns. Bye. Finger guns. <laughs>